Hi, this is the Week Critique, the student-run podcast where we bring you weekly news and reviews of all the latest movies, video games, and TV shows. Not officially associated with the University of Arizona. True. Although <laughs> we do operate within the studio for the Camp Student Radio Club, so thank you to them for letting us use their studio. And we are college students, so we have limits on time and budget, so this, it's not like we can review every movie or video game and... Who knows if this podcast will even come out every week. If we're lucky, maybe I'll have time. But So that's the introduction. I'm Cade Marks, your host. Hopefully you know a little bit about me from listening to the introduction episode. And here on our first episode, my first guest is Jacob Egestad. Wow. He is a brilliant computer science and Honored. Spanish student at the <laughs> University of Arizona and my best friend and roommate. I, I would call myself slightly above average, but hey, I'll, I'll take the praise. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jacob, let them know a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm 20, sophomore at the University of Arizona, Bear Down. Currently double majoring computer science Spanish, crying about assembly right now. Yeah, it's a little rough. All right, Jacob, um, what would you say was your introduction to video games and movies? And <sighs> Probably when I was uh, around 10, playing the original Halo with my dad, uh, you know. And it was all downhill from there because <laughs> you're giving the M game to a ten year old, you know, I'm pretty much destined. Yeah, to I was a failure. I was banned. My parents did not let me play any M games, I so I that. just I had to go to Jacob's house every weekend to play the new <laughs> Call of Duties yep. and Halo games. I, I remember you buying a lot of like crappy off brand things. Like, uh, well, actually, the, the James Bond game was pretty good. Um, it, we remember it being pretty good, but I went back and bought it again not long ago. By the way, this is um, GoldenEye 007 Reloaded for the Xbox 360, which yeah. a lot of people hate. And going back to it, it's pretty hard to play. But back when I wasn't allowed to play Call of Duty and this was a T-rated game, it worked. Yeah. Not only that, but we used to play Lord of the Rings Conquest all the time. Okay, that, that game was awesome. That was like, pretty fun. The Capture the Ring mode was pretty great in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We've gone off on a tangent a little bit. <laughs> That's fine. Um, we're going to go over Jacob's favorites of all time, his favorite movie, video game, and TV show. All right. My favorite movie uh, is Arrival. By well, Denis Villeneuve. Starring Villeneuve. Amy Adams. Yeah. Um, great movie. Also has Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. um, as the colonel. And page. Jeremy Renner. Oh, right. Yeah. The guy who plays Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's about alien. It's It's about, you know, alien contact. But it does it in a way that's different than um, a lot of Alien Contact movies. Um, you know, most Alien Contact movies, like, the aliens are bad and they're going to fight. Take me to your overlord. Yeah, they're, they're stuff like that. Or they're, they're stuff like the human, like, like um, Independence Day where you got to fight the aliens. Um, but it's, it's, In it's a, a world where aliens are making first contact and they're not friendly. But, yeah, um... Yeah, I think it has a lot of great themes, like um, the the power of language. And yeah, linguistics import- take a front seat in that movie, which is really interesting from an alien movie, and Jacob's a linguistics nerd. Yeah, I absolutely would have added linguistics as a third major, but I would die, die if yeah. I had three majors. Um, so it'll just be a hobby of mine. Um, but yeah, another important thing is, you know, obviously linguistics, but just the importance of communication in, in place of just shoot first, ask questions later, which is like what the, the RB dude for the Forrest Whitaker character wants to do. He The entire movie is just like, hey, let's just like nuke him. And um, the Amy Adams character is like, you fucking baboon. Why would you do that? And it's it's great. Um, yeah. That, we're verbatim. That's a yeah. direct quote from the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Also, but, great twist at the end of that movie. Yeah. I, I, I Partially, I think the reason that movie is so high for me, and by so high, I mean my favorite movie, is because I watched that movie um, at 2 a.m. on a plane back to the United States, um, and it just blew my mind watching that movie when, on, when I was so sleep-deprived. Yeah, um, Denis Villeneuve has established himself as one of the greats in terms of sci-fi directors. Yeah. He, he also made Blade Runner 2049, which was excellent. Sicario, which wasn't really a sci-fi movie. And he's set to release Dune in December this year, I believe, oh, starring it, Timothy Chalamet. That's and the like, book you were talking about, right? Yeah. Um, one of the most famous uh, books, sci-fi books of all time. It's being adapted into a movie by Denis Villeneuve. And I'm just going to pull up the cast real quick here because it is kind of insane. Let's see. Yeah, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, Zendaya, really? Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Javier Bardem, oh. Dave Bautista, Stellan Skarsgård, Stellan Skarsgård, my bad, and many others. So what a cast for that movie. I cannot wait. I'm going to try to read the movie, not read the movie, read the book before it comes out because it's supposed to be really good and I've been getting back into reading lately. So Oscar Isaac's pretty good. Yeah, I, the my second favorite movie is he's actually starring in, which is that um, God, what's the Ex Machina? Yeah, you've yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah, I saw it too with, with the AI. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's actually probably my second favorite movie with Oscar Isaac. Another um, sort of high concept sci fi movie along the same lines as Denis Villeneuve's work, except directed by here. I got to check this again, but it was the same director who made Arrival. Uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah, uh, I forgot his name, but. Another emerging sci-fi director who's been really interesting, and he actually worked in video games before, I believe. His name is cool. Alex Garland. Yeah. So, well, so I'm a big fan of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so, so, Jacob. My, lastly, actually, not lastly, we still have to talk about movie and my, not movie, TV show and video game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are your favorites I, on those two? Games? My favorite show, Narcos. Um, even though I kind of detest the war on drugs, I think. Um, this movie, the, this show, which follows the hunt for Pablo Escobar um, by DEA agents, um, starring um, Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pascal, who's yeah. w- he's one of my more favorite actors. I, I really like Pedro Pascal. Yeah, it's overall really fantastic. And as a Spanish major, being partly in Spanish is kind of nice. Okay, favorite video game of all time, Jacob? Uh, this might be a basic answer, but Halo Reach. Huh. Yeah. I couldn't have predicted that, actually. Well, what, what do you think I was going to say? I don't know. Um... Uh, Siege or oh. Minecraft or okay, my, Skyrim. I don't know. Those are those are all good, but I say Halo Reach because, um, well, a I really like the campaign. The campaign's pretty fantastic. It kind of also has that. The campaign is kind of has that theme of like the the cost of war, um, which is interesting. <laughs> having a Halo game that has an actual coherent theme and isn't just shoot the aliens as they come. But in addition, I just have a lot of positive memories associated with that, especially Forge and custom games. Yeah, it was probably my introduction to first-person shooters. Uh, that's probably the first one I played, I mean, besides Portal, I guess. <laughs> that, yeah, technically it's a first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, all right, so for this podcast, episode one, uh, we're going to talk about some news from the last week, and then as mm-hmm. our sec- segment after that, we're going to talk about our favorite movies and video games from 2019, so last year. We're a little late on that front. It's already February when we're recording this, but uh, that's fine. We'll do it anyway. We'll do it like everybody else has already been doing it. And then we'll wrap things up, plug our email in case anybody wants to get in contact with questions or comments that we can answer on the show. So let's get started with the news. 
The first thing I had was the Battinson suit. That's what I'm calling it. Robert Pattinson as Batman. <laughs> I probably didn't make that up, but uh, so that, that was there weird, was the yeah. reveal video that showed it in like really intense red light, and a lot of people drew comparisons to the Netflix Daredevil suit from that TV show. And then since then, some set photos have been leaked with the stuntman in the bat suit. It kind of looks. It's a little strange. Mm. He's got like the goggles going on in front of his eyes and an interesting belt. And in those uh, pictures, you can see him riding like a bat cycle. That mm. looks kind of cool. Did you, um, all, all that I heard about it on Twitter was apparently the bat symbol on his chest is supposed to be the gun that killed his parents. Which is metal as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, it, it's a bit edgy. Yeah. I would say. You could say that. Yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> We'll see. I, I'm not sure if that's been confirmed, but from what I've heard, that is the case. Yeah. Well, Next, uh, the Animal Crossing. Yeah, the Animal Crossing Direct, Nintendo Direct, came out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. It was about like 28 minutes long, I think. I watched through the whole thing. Showed off a bunch of new things that they're introducing, like the pole vaulting over the rivers and the fishing tournaments. A lot of home customization. They can toast bread. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never played an Animal Crossing game before, but I really think I'm going to jump in on this one because it looks like the most therapeutic shit you can possibly get in video game form. Just yeah. heartwarming, like giving gifts to villagers and yeah. inviting people over to check out your village. They've got some new multiplayer components where you can like on a single switch have up to eight profiles share the same island. So I think maybe we'll do that if yeah. I get the game. Oh, that'd be dope. And you can also visit other people's islands in the game. So that seems really interesting. You have anything to say about that, or should we move on to the next thing? Ah, gee, I, I, yeah. Animal Crossing might not be for me, but I'll, I'll certainly be willing to try it. Yeah. Uh, IGN reported a new Star Wars in production developed by J.D. Dillard, the director of the 2016 sci-fi thriller Slate. I'd never heard of this movie, but I looked it up earlier today, and it's... Like a sort of like a chronicle movie where there's this like street magician who can use like telekinesis, like the force. Yeah, and then <laughs> he gets in deep with uh, some criminal shit, I guess. And that's also been co-developed by the Luke Cage writer Matt Owens. So that's the second time a Netflix Marvel show comes up on this episode. Oh, nice. Uh, so we'll see if that's any good. It's unsure if it's going to be a theatrical lease or just a Disney Plus exclusive at this point. So. Still waiting on that. I know Jacob is a big Star Wars fan. Yes. Is that something you're at all interested in? To like match the timeline, I guess. Uh, the first episode of season seven of the Clone Wars came out, and that was spicy. <laughs> is that a spicy meatball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, it, Jacob is notorious for quoting memes all the time, so I'm yeah. sure you'll you'll get used to listening to that. Why Why do you need a personality when you could just quote? essentially pop culture references. Yeah, I mean, those two things are synonymous in this day and age. So, Next, uh, Onward, the upcoming Pixar movie uh, starring Chris Pratt and Tom Holland that's set to come out March 6th, has Disney's first out LGBT character, Officer Spectre, who is lesbian and played by Lena Waithe, who is lesbian in real life. You might know her from Master of None, where she stars as Denise or... Co-writes that show, and also she was in Ready Player One as H. I think this is... as Oh. This is great news, woman. obviously. H. And yet, it's sort of disappointing that it's been this long without an openly out 
character in Disney. I mean, Disney and Hollywood in general are supposed to be the liberal part of America, and yet it's been this long before having an out gay character in a kid's movie from the biggest kid's movie making studio. That It seems a little it's cause confusing. It's about money. Yeah, you know, because like conservative America would would raise shit and be like, "Re," <laughs> they'd be like, "Re," you heard they it here first. They would be like, "Quote Jacob Vegasad, twenty twenty. That's my political commentary for the year. I'm done talking about politics for the rest of the year. That's solid. Just, that's my contribution. It's a little confusing that they say that this is the first out LGBT uh, LGBT character in a Disney movie, considering the character Joe Russo, the co-director of. Uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame. He played a gay character in Avengers Endgame at the meeting with Captain America near the beginning of the movie. So perhaps it's the first LGBT character in Disney that has more than a single line? Sure. <laughs> We're elevating above that to a supporting role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. progress, but it's slow progress. All right, uh, last piece of news that I had is that the Friends reunion was officially confirmed by HBO. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Friends, the sh- I, I just, I'm not a big fan of Friends. Which is weird, considering you watched all of it. Yeah, I did. But both you and my girlfriend at the time, when I was, like, 16, um, wanted me to. So. Yeah, I used to be a fan. I'm not sure if I would be anymore. I don't know. I just watched this edit on YouTube, which was basically just an edit of iCarly, but without the laugh tracks taken out. And you realize that all of the humor is added by the laugh tracks. And yeah. It's just awkward without it. And I, I just couldn't view shows with laugh tracks the same. Yeah, those one-camera comedies don't work without a laugh track, which is weird <laughs> because of how contrived that thing seems yeah. as just a device used in sitcoms. But it's it's just a psychological trick to, to like trick you into, into thinking, thinking something's funny. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's being described as an hour-long unscripted special with all the original cast members. Not sure what that really means. It's unscripted. <sighs> okay. I, I I would be willing to at least watch the first episode if it's unscripted, see how that goes. I think it's just one like it's just one episode. One or... one hour long episode. It's not gonna be like a new season or anything, I don't think. Um Okay. That's all of the, all the news I prepared. I think I'll do more research in future weeks for future podcasts, but that's all I've got today. And now we're going to go into our favorite movies and video games from 2019. I think let's start with video games. So the way we're going to do this is just go back and forth, starting at um, number five for our top five video games, and then at number 10 for our top 10 movies. Mine's not really ordered, but... Well, then you'll just have to... Choose one. Choose as we go, yeah. But 2019 was not a great game for video games. Not a great great year year for for video video games, games. yeah. Yeah, there were some standouts, but overall, 2018 and 2017 both outdid it. Because 2018, we had Red Dead Redemption 2, Spider-Man, God of War, and you and I both loved all those games. You haven't finished God of War yet. No, but but it's still good. Yeah. And then we moved to 2019 where... I couldn't even come up with a top 10 list, basically, is why we only had five for this year. So we're just going to share those. All right, Jacob, do you want to get us started off with your number five pick for the top five video games of 2019? Sure. I would put um, Streets of Rogue at number five. That's an interesting pick. You want to go into why? Sure. Um, well, I'm not going to go into too in detail about what the game's about because I uh, 
Well, go for it. Sure. I mean, we're we can just discuss. Gonna discuss each of these games and go off of what the other person said too. Like this is okay. Well, I'm kind of a fan of roguelikes. I, I've discovered that recently. Um, Streets of Rogue, of course. The rogue part is a, is a joke towards it's it's um it's a roguelike game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought it was really fun. And yeah, even for it, if it was for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's a roguelike immersive sim indie game that you can get on Switch. I'm not sure what other platforms it's on. I think PC also. Might be PS4. I'm not sure. Maybe. But it's kind of a dungeon crawler also where yeah. you pick one of several different characters where each character compl- uh, functions completely differently. So you can play a hacker and you'll have these specific tailored tasks to the role that you're playing. So if you're a hacker, you're going to have to ta- hack a certain number of terminals on each level. Mm-hmm. And you can access buildings by hacking doors and stuff. And if you're like a soldier, for instance, rather than hacking doors, you can set explosives on doors and you get a bunch of guns and your goal is to destroy these what are they? Uh, for soldiers? For yeah. like gas canisters? Or gas something. canisters, yeah. You have to destroy these canisters and then move on to the next level. And there's also like gorillas. You can play as gorillas or gangsters like Crips and Bloods, except in the game it calls them Crips. Crapes. No, and it's Crapes. Blods. Blo- yeah, Crapes, Crapes and, and Blods. Blods. Yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. Why, why, did, why is it on your top five for the year? Uh, Partially because 2019 was not a great year for video games. Like, even though Streets of Rogue was okay, um, it still made my top five because of that. Yeah. Which is kind of depressing to start off the list, but hey. Sure. All right, we'll move on to my number five. It's Resident Evil 2, the remake that came out last year. And I haven't actually played a lot of this game myself. I've played enough to enjoy it, but mainly I watched a YouTube playthrough of the entire game both the Leon and Claire playthroughs, and man, that game is awesome. The sandbox nature of that game is really interesting to me. How it's all, at least for the first half, you're in the police station, and it's one giant area that you have to explore thoroughly and get all the items, and something about that approach to game design is really attractive for me. So, how about your number four, Jacob? I'd say my number four was Forager. Yeah, yeah. I've I've played a lot of Forger um, on just kind of stealing it off your Switch. Yeah. Um, Why don't you give the listeners a brief overview of what that game is? Okay, so sure. Forger's a... God, I I don't even know what genre of game it would be. I'd call it survival, kind of. Yeah, it's survival. Without the danger, I guess. Yeah, it's survival in that you, like, build up how, like, complex your, your base and your operations are. And, and you expand and stuff like that, but it's not like you actually face... Well, you do face enemies, but it's not like... It, that's not the main challenge. And there's not really any punishment for death. It's kind of interesting. It's got elements of Minecraft where you have to mine ores and trees and the such that are just on the surface of these islands that you procure. You have to... As you get more money by... Various means. Yeah, there are like... several means of making money. There's some sirens going on in the background. Don't know if you can hear that. That's Tucson for you. Yep, Tucson, baby. But uh, you then have to use that money you earn to buy new islands and expand your your home into several different biomes, which can each offer you different like challenges. There are puzzles that you can solve to get unique rewards. And there's a really interesting skill tree that gives you new abilities that allow you to progress and become more advanced. So it's a very yeah. addictive game, but once you reach 
the end game, it becomes boring and pretty boring. Yeah, yeah. but it's a, like the first like twelve hours of gameplay are like fantastic. Though. Yeah, it's got a very addictive, simple hook, and it's designed very nicely. Yeah, for sure. All right, my number four was Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> I forgot that came out in 2019. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Can I replace my number five? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can just add on to what I say about it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a game, if you somehow don't know about this game, because everybody has heard of this game. Chrissy Teigen was posting videos of John Legend playing this game. I don't know, her kids. She, she bought they, it. Is she married to John Legend? Yeah. Okay, I know nothing about celebrities. All right, well... That aside, this game is about being an asshole of a goose. Right. You go around and steal people's lunches. You untie a nerd's shoes and steal his toy plane and then make him fall over and then lock him in a phone booth. Yeah. You're a really terrible goose in this game, but it's also hilarious to solve all these puzzles of just being terrible to all these people in this quaint British village. It is very British. Yeah. And the house, uh, house, house, the developers of the game are British, I believe. Yeah. So, play that game. It's fun. And also, it's got a pretty satisfying ending. Pretty mm-hmm. subtle, but also, like, oh, Maybe that's interesting. I, I should probably play it to completion. Yeah. I, I didn't really get past the, the bullying of the child. <laughs> the phone booth. You just couldn't stop bullying that child. Yeah. You couldn't move on. Yeah. I, it was just too addicting to just <laughs> that 10-year-old. All right. How about your number three, Jacob? All right, my number three, I would say, would be, I would say, Outer Wilds. All right. I, it's kind of weird that I put this at number three, because I haven't actually played it, but I watched a full playthrough of it, and I just kind of ruined it for myself that way, which I, I kind of feel bad for doing that to myself. But um, anyways, it's an exploration game uh, where you try to solve why, why, you're, why the sun keeps blowing up, and it's like a Groundhog Day-style time loop thing. That every time you die, you just go back to the beginning of the day. It's every 23 minutes, I believe, the sun explodes and you have to restart. So, yeah. You have to, over time, piece together this mystery of why the universe is ending. And it's got a very interesting conceit. Yeah. I, have you played it, like, at all? Like I bought it. I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I definitely need to get around to it. But I'm still trying to finish some of the other games from last year that maybe we'll talk about later on this list. So. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. All right. My number three is Fire Emblem Three Houses. This is the first Fire Emblem game I've played. It's more or less the first JRPG I've sunk real time into. Cause is that the one where you're the professor, dude? It is. You are the professor who pervs on his students. Yeah. It's weird, but it's a really interesting strategy game from uh, Nintendo on the Switch where you have these students that you have to train to be proficient in fighting in different fighting styles. You can have... Spearmen, uh, cavalry, uh, mages, like wizards. Mm -hmm. And I'm about 22 hours into the game, so I haven't gotten to the time jump yet. But I've found just engaging with my students in that game incredibly satisfying. And I've gotten really attached to my students, not in a creepy way. But yeah, all of the individual missions that you get and all those moments where your students come to you and ask you for advice and you have to help them solve their life problems. It makes me feel connected to my students in a way that I actually feel in real life as a TA for mm-hmm. computer science classes. It's weird. Yeah, it's a weird parental and also, feeling. Being yeah, there. the strategy in that game is pretty fun. I play it on the normal difficulty, the one where you have permadeath with your students. 
I'm terrified to lose my students in this game. There's an ability that you have where you can reverse time three times per combat, and I end up using that all the time to not lose my students. All right, you're number two, Jacob. All right, um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, if you don't know what Call of Duty is, then stop. Who are you? <laughs> um, no, but it was actually a pretty good Call of Duty, and I still played a lot with uh, other friends. Yeah, I couldn't really get into this Call of Duty, probably because I'm bad at it. I find, <laughs> yeah, I find that usually I'm pretty good at Call of Duty, but this one, for some reason, I think it's the quick kill times that just screw me over because. I don't know. I feel like I am better in games where the kill time is higher, especially Halo. And, like, Black Ops 4 was a pretty sweet spot for me where the yeah. kill times were longer, but you also had to be quick with your reactions. And for some reason, that's where I prosper in Call of Duty. So why does that not apply to Siege, do you think? Because you're, you're pretty decent at Siege. Siege, thanks, also. But uh, Siege is different in that the majority of it feels like it's positioning and strategy, whereas... I mean, certainly fast gun skill and accuracy are important in that game. There are ways to get around not being the best shot. Okay, so your number two was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yeah. My number two is Control. I bought this game in August when it came out. I believe it was August. And I didn't really get around to playing it until this January. Oh, wow. I played through the entire game when we were on our winter break at home, basically. Well, I finished it up when we got back, but... Man, the story and the world in this game are awesome. I read all of the collectible items, and for all of you who don't know, it's like a paranormal action game where you visit the Federal Bureau of Control, and it's kind of got an X-Files vibe where there's a lot of paranormal things going on at this government facility, and there are lights that when you click a light switch three times, it'll teleport you to a motel, and you have these abilities where you can, like, You basically get force powers. You can use telekinesis to just throw things around and defeat these hiss enemies, which are effectively just weird sci-fi zombies that fly around. And you can also unlock a flying ability, which is kind of a spoiler. My bad. but uh, Gameplay spoiler. Yeah. This game has a super interesting world. If you're at all interested in paranormal sci-fi, check it out for sure. All right. You're number one, Jacob. I would say my number one is Jedi Fallen Order. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is the full title. The name's Bond. <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> James middle name Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you love about this game? We both played it to completion. Um, being a fucking badass Jedi who just chops up stormtroopers and can slow down time and move stormtroopers in front of their own blaster bolts and have a double-bladed lightsaber. For years, I've been trying to get Jacob to play a Dark Souls game, and it turns out the only thing I needed to do was find one that was Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, the best part is you get to play a ginger. That's the worst <laughs> part, if anything. <laughs> no hate to any groups besides gingers on this podcast. Yeah. This is not a ginger-friendly podcast. <laughs> if you're ginger, don't listen. Stop <laughs> no. listening. Turn this off. We're yeah. joking. We love you, gingers. Well. Just kidding. Unless. <laughs> All right. Lust. My number one game of 2019 is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I love From Software games, and the world in this game is incredible. It's sort of like a feudal Japan mixed with mythology, and you play as a shinobi who has to save his young master. As far as From Software games go, I think this world is great, but it's probably my least favorite From Software world because I've played Dark Souls 1 
2, 3, and Bloodborne. And Bloodborne has maybe the best world of any video game, let alone from software games. But I find the combat in Sekiro to be incredible. It's really hard to get used to, especially compared to the other Dark Souls games, because it's so timing and parry heavy, where you really can't bullshit it like you can in the other games to some extent. And you also can't just overlevel yourself by grinding so much because there isn't as much option in the way you level up in that game. But the core mechanic of just using the blocks to deflect blows in the combat is so satisfying once you've mastered it. And being able to get through those bosses almost perfectly is one of the best feelings in video games I've had in a long time. So if you haven't played that game and you're willing to have some patience and struggle through some of the difficulty, you will enjoy it a lot. All right, I think that's the end of our best video games of 2019. So now let's move into movies. We each chose 10 movies from 2019 to talk about because whereas games from 2019 were lacking in some regards, the movies of 2019 were phenomenal. I saw so many movies in theaters and out last year, including all of the Best Picture nominees from the 2020 Academy Awards. And... My God, were there some great movies. So I've even got some honorable mentions beyond my top 10 list. Really? Yeah. I'll start first since you started on the last one. All right. Let's just go through my honorable mentions first of all. Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great Marvel movie. I love the Marvel movies and this one especially. There are some moments in that movie. I won't spoil. Hopefully you've all seen it, but I, I still won't go into spoilers. That I really felt like standing up and cheering, which would have been the most white, nerdy boy thing to do. But there are some parts in this movie that are incredible. I felt like the whole second act was a little unnecessary and went on for a while. And maybe that's why it was such a long movie. But Three hours, yeah. Yeah. but, But overall, great Marvel movie. Probably in my top five, if I had to say, Marvel movies. Uh, Toy Story 4 was also in my honorable mentions. I haven't seen that one. It's probably the worst Toy Story movie, which is to say it's still a great movie. Yeah, the Toy Story movies are pretty good. So I was crying a little bit at the end of this movie because Aww. it hits very emotionally in a very deep place. It's it's my childhood, y'all. That's yeah. what I tweeted, at least, when I came out of the movie. I was like, I cried because this is my childhood. I have so much nostalgia for that. Probably the movie I've seen the most times in my life is Toy Story 2 because when I was a very young kid, my parents would play that for me every day because I just insisted on it. I was obsessed with those movies. So this one played into my nostalgia pretty heavily. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've seen this movie twice, once in theaters and once I rented it after it came out. It's probably in my top five Tarantino movies, I think that the performances in this movie are great and it was more satisfying upon a second viewing. But overall, I thought it was good, but not not the best movie I saw this year. It was certainly good Tarantino and good Margot Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. And I'm glad Brad Pitt won uh, an Oscar for acting, finally, because he is a great actor. Wait, is this your number 10 or is this an honorable mention? This is another honorable mention. Okay. And then real quick, I'm just going to name off the last two honorable mentions, Knives Out and John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Both very entertaining movies, but that just didn't quite make it into my top 10 in quality. Yeah. All right. So my number 10 best movie of 2019 is Little Women. This is the second movie from director Greta Gerwig. Her first movie, Lady Bird, I thought was incredible. 
I wouldn't quite put Little Women at the level of Lady Bird, but the cinematography in that movie is insane. It's like almost every shot in that movie looks like it could be a painting. It is beautiful. And also the actors are incredible. I love Timothy Chalamet. I love Cher Ronan. Timothy Chalamet is a good one. Yeah. Florence Pugh is getting up there for me as a really exciting new actor. She was also in Midsummer as the main girl in Midsummer. Oh, really? Yeah. Which was another great movie that I probably should have put on this list, but I forgot to yeah. because I made this list before I saw it. But Florence Pugh, incredible also. it helped. Some other actors in that movie were Laura Dern. That's her name. Laura Dern is the mother figure in this movie. She's giving an incredible performance also, but maybe not as strong as her performance in Marriage Story. I just think she had less to do in this movie. And overall, great movie. I really fell, fell in love with the characters, and the cinematography was excellent. Also, the score. Great score. Moving on to Jacob's number 10. Um, bit of a weird one here. Uh, Brightburn. Huh. Yeah. I refused to see this movie Why? with you. I, it looked so bad. It was decent, man. <laughs> I mean, it, obviously it wasn't fantastic because it was my number 10, and I'm not as big of a cinephile as you. Um, True. I haven't seen as many of these movies as you, Little Woman being one of them. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was kind of just the plot wasn't, there was no one unique thing about it was special, but it kind of came together in a special way. Like, I, I liked the whole, like, what if Superman was a baddie? And what if he was, like, a sociopathic child? Yeah, the high-concept nature of it was intriguing for me, but when I saw the trailers, I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, it it also kind of relied on gore a bit, which I think when horror movies do that, they just fall flat. That's true. Like like Saw. Uh, The the first Saw is the only good Saw, and the rest are, like, garbage. They're just, like, gore. Gore porn? Yeah. All right. um, My number nine, Ford v. Ferrari. We went and saw this in theaters with some of our friends, and I came away thinking... Man, this is a pretty by-the-books Hollywood movie, but it also is really entertaining and kind of tragic. I mean, it's based on a true story. Got me a little emotional at the end with the tragedy, like I said, getting a little repetitive here. Yeah. Um, So was it the tragedy that got you a little emotional at the end? Just No, I I think it was probably the tragedy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, believe it or not. (laughs) But very entertaining movie. The way they shot the... The car racing scenes was really engaging. And who doesn't love America? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the message from this movie. So I, Yeah, I that was close to making number 10 for me. I It didn't stand out for me because it just kind of followed the typical arc of like any sports movie. It did. It did. But also Christian Bale will always have me on, in any movie. Yeah, he's decent. He's my boy. He's transforms into every character and this wasn't necessarily among my favorite christian bale roles but it was still a great performance from him and matt damon and did vice come out in 2018 it, it did okay yeah because like that that movie i would not have known it was christian bale if you didn't tell exactly me. so that's my number nine jacob what do you have as your number nine movie of 2019 uh once upon a time in hollywood a good pick i already talked about it some what else do you have to add on to that um I mean, it was a bit slow. That's why it's only at number nine. Yeah. Like, until, like, the, the final act, really, it's it's kind of slow. But um, and, and I don't have, like, a preference against slow movies necessarily when it serves a purpose, when it achieves a certain tone. Yeah. Like another movie on my list that I will be talking about very soon. Slow isn't bad, but there is a version of a slow movie that is just not as engaging. Yeah, it kind of lost my engaging until the end, and it kind of followed through. 
it kind of followed through on the the typical like Tarantino um like it being arc a, where there's it's just a, a I forgot the technical term but like going back in history and like revenge a revenge fantasy revenge fan that's right revenge like fantasy like alternate history yeah. yeah going back and just messing with the Manson family um that that aspect of it was very satisfying and just oh, yeah. the charisma of Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in that movie was incredible kind of on the same level as Inglorious Bastards yeah which was probably my favorite Tarantino movie. Yeah. All right. My number eight is Ad Astra. And like we were just mentioning, slow movie. Yeah. It's just a character study basically about Brad Pitt that sort of follows the arc of Apocalypse Now, but in space. Mm-hmm. I like that movie. Yeah. It, it's a great movie and an incredible performance from Brad Pitt. Maybe the second best I've seen behind Moneyball, I think. And... The tone that this movie achieves and the psychological themes that it uh, that it explores are really impactful to me. And the story of him going to space to try to reach his father, played by Tommy Lee Jones in this movie, I thought it was really impactful. And I thought the movie itself was great. Yeah, I thought so too. I think you could really tell like how much time has passed too. Like he starts the movie like looking kind of normal for Brad Pitt, I guess. Which is sexy compared <laughs> to most people. Yeah. Even even at this age, yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah, and then at the end, he's, like, gray and has a beard. And, and you could tell, like, this, at the very least, took months, if not years, for the, the whole movie. Was, I don't think this movie would work if not for the strong performance from Brad Pitt. Because yeah. you can really see on his face the things he's going through. It's yeah, he's... The most expressive I've seen Brad Pitt, yeah. besides just his regular charisma. I think it's the most acting he's done in a movie that I've seen from him in a long time. Yeah. So... Jacob, your number eight. Uh, Us. The movie from Jordan Peele. Yes. I haven't seen Get Out yet uh, because I didn't get around to it. Slacking. Uh, I know. Yeah, I am. Uh, always. Um, <laughs> but Us, I really liked. I think it. I think there's a lot of subtext to read into. Uh, or Definitely. Like, I, Jordan Peele really thinks through this stuff when he's making a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, st- I still don't think I could properly describe the themes of the movie because it was it was that i it was it was a very good movie and especially it for, really was deep and it's it's kind of a cliche to say yeah. something's deep but it was deep <laughs> yeah and especially seeing that from a horror movie which seems to be jordan peele's preferred genre as a director certainly uh, so far yeah i d- doesn't even another movie planned kind of go on a tangent um i don't know of a movie that he's planning on directing i know he's been producing some other stuff recently. oh right right right, right. i'm mixing that up um, but yeah, I, I really liked it and it was kind of a bit trippy. Yeah. And also Lupita Nyong'o is emerging as one of the greatest actors on this planet. Yeah. So my next pick, Peanut Butter Falcon. I haven't seen that. Starring Shia LaBeouf. Huh. It's about him going on a journey across the country with a boy who is autistic and his, um, helping him follow through on his dream to become a professional wrestler. And this was a really heartwarming movie. I I don't know if I want to call it a feel-good movie. It kind of is. It's got the whole buddy, like, road trip vibe to it. But it's a really interesting study of these two characters. And I thought it's a movie that can appeal to anybody. It's not something you have to be, like, a stuck-up, like, movie nerd to appreciate. It's something that everybody would like. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have to say for that movie. Jacob, you're number seven. Uh... Episode 9, specifically Star Wars. The Episode Rise nine. of Skywalker. Yeah, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, 
I'm a big Star Wars fan. Kind of sad that it ended up only being like what was this number seven, number six? I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just kind of firing them off as I. Oh, you go. mean on your list? Yeah. Yeah, it's number, it's number seven. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that it ended up being number seven because it kind of fell flat for me in many ways. Um, I I get absolutely um, to put this in a, a somewhat vulgar way shit on for for liking episode eight the yeah. most out of the sequel trilogy. Um, but I still think episode eight, it, it's the best out of the sequel trilogy. And I think this new um, episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. Had a lot of plot conveniences. Yeah, it, it was kind of like number seven where it just felt like it didn't try to do anything new. It, it just like, it, it, at least at least the prequels had their own plot, but the plot for episode seven was essentially the plot for episode four, and the plot right. for episode nine was essentially the plot for episode exactly. six. So like, it didn't it didn't feel and like yet new movies. For me, that movie accomplished everything I wanted it to really? because I'm not somebody who is deeply invested in the lore of Star Wars. <laughs> I'm a very that casual Star Wars fan, and that movie just delivered all of the entertainment I wanted from it. I didn't need any any deep discussions from that movie. It just on a very surface level was satisfying to me. Yeah, I I had to watch it a second time to have that reaction. The first time I. I feel like I did the thing for that a lot of Star Wars fans did for Episode Eight, which was expect too much from it. Um, and my first time coming around, I realized I was expecting too much from it. And then I watched it a second time, and it was actually pretty decent. I really liked it. All right. My number six is Uncut Gems. This movie kind of blew my mind. More so than I think any other movie I've seen in the last few years. I was on the edge of my seat throughout the entire thing. It is an unrelenting journey following this character, Howard Ratner, who is a gem gem shop owner he sells jewelry this might be the only movie i've ever seen with adam sandler in which he actually plays a serious role yeah punch drunk love is another movie where he is actually acting isn't just doing the stupid comedy adam sandler bit yeah and where he plays like one character but he was (laughs) he fit this character perfectly it's it's about a guy who basically can't control his own gambling and will keep gambling more and more and he's in really deep with loan sharks this is my number six too yeah. yeah, a great movie. Do you want to add anything else onto it? Uh, yeah, it was, it, God, I mean, the, the constant, like, um, up and down of the movie, I guess, where he gets enough money to pay off his debts, and if he just settles here, it'll be good, and then he gambles it again, and you're just like, no! The stakes Stop keep it! increasing. Yeah, I, God, it, it was it was hard to watch, but simultaneously enthralling. It was. All right, and also... Great score in that movie. It's a it's an unconventional score, but yeah. I thought it was really interesting. My number five is Marriage Story, directed by Noah Baumbach, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. This is the best Adam Driver I've seen. I like him a lot as Kylo Ren, and I've seen him in I think another movie. I can't remember, but great Adam Driver. There's great acting in this movie all around. Laura Dern won best won best supporting actress for this movie, and rightly so. She was great in this. The writing is probably the standout in this movie for me. Noah Baumbach is an incredible writer of films. And I just thought that the tension was great between the two, which was also uh, carried across by the acting. But the way that those two characters were written as being equal main characters, and you got to see each of their perspectives very clearly, was incredible to me. Yeah, And the way that it managed to be a movie about divorce that wasn't entirely cynical. There yeah. was some optimism in that movie, which I really appreciated. 
And it, it was heavily cynical. It was some, cynical, but ways. there was some optimism. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just totally oppressive, which that, I appreciated. That was also my number six. I'll, I'll, I'll add a bit. Um, Adam Driver is actually um, coming across, or like starting to be one of my one of my more favorite actors. Exactly. In part, just I mean, partially just because I think he carried the sequel trilogy, um, and partially from this movie. I, I before watching this movie, the only thing I've seen about it, like on media, was people being snobby and being like, "Oh, yelling is the lowest form of acting." And I thought, <laughs> "Oh my god, these people are so snobby." Uh, Twitter. That is a lot of film Twitter. To be fair. Yeah, that's, yeah. And the um, internet film audience is just people being snobby about what other people can and can't appreciate. Yeah. We're going to try to be more inclusive. Like, <laughs> I don't care what you enjoy. I'm not going to hate on people for enjoying things that I don't enjoy. Except uh, Attack of the Clones, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> if you like the prequels, you're an idiot. No. no. All right. My number four, Jojo Rabbit. You haven't seen this movie, but you want to. I do. It was certainly something where when people heard about it, they were like, what? It's a comedy about Nazi Germany? How could that possibly work? And I feel like in many people's hands, it couldn't. But Taika Waititi is an incredible comic director. And not only was this movie intensely funny, it was also very emotional, which is something I wasn't entirely expecting. It was maybe equal parts comedy and drama. And... The the performances from the kids in this movie were a lot better than most child most child performances. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that Taika really nailed several tones in this movie, and all of them were very satisfying. I think, and I think there's some irony to like an indigenous Jewish man playing Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If anybody has the right to do it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that one like gif from i think like 2013 or something and it's like if anyone should play hitler it's a woman of color <laughs> <laughs> all right jacob you're number four um 1917 um I this think is my number two it had a lot of good like it, it was well made um both in the fact that it attempts to be one like false long shot it was, it was more like two there was a gun that yeah. didn't try to hide a lot of people treat this movie as a one-shot film, which I don't really understand. I mean, obviously, it's pieced together to, to uh, like, artificially like be a one-shot, except for the fact that there's one big, like, obvious cut in the middle that's Where not even... It big. doesn't try to hide it. It's not. It, so, so it, it's, it's more, like, more like, two, like a two-shot film. It is. It, art- artificially. Yeah. But, um, oh, well. And maybe I, I'm being too picky. <laughs> it try, I think I tr- it tried to do what um, Saving Private Ryan and... Uh, there was another movie that's kind of like that, but for the Vietnam War. Um but what those movies tried to do for those uh, respective wars, but it did that for World War One, where because um, there aren't a lot of you know uh, World War Two is the big one, but I I don't think there's a lot of World War One movies. I that... I can name a couple, but nothing nearly as big as like a Saving Private Ryan or yeah. Dunkirk, for instance. Yeah. So it I mean it it also carried you know most war movies go with with the the themes of. War costs lives. <laughs> you know the, those basic themes, but I, we're I think losing it, our boys. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it, pretty much any war movie will touch upon those themes, um, but it did so in a way that I liked. So, and it certainly could have been, it could have come across as a gimmick, the whole one shot thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of people thought it did, but for me, that was a very effective way of following those two soldiers, yeah. and I thought the performances. I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot here by complimenting the performances in all of these movies, but 
like even the really small performances in this movie stood out from people like Mark Strong and and uh, the the brother, the brother, uh, the yeah, 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 um, the, um, Rob. <laughs> Rob Stark from Game of Thrones. I am blanking on his name. Richard Madden, that's his name. Yeah. 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 There were a lot of great side performances from famous British actors. I mean, you also had Benedict Cumberbatch in yeah. there at the end. Benadryl Cabbage Patch. Yeah, yeah. indeed. <laughs> but that movie pieced together and was really powerful. It was another edge-of-the-seat style movie where I was really invested in the story of those two characters. I thought it was great. Also, Roger Deakins is the best cinematographer in our time. Don't at me. <laughs> I'm not too invested in stuff like that. All right, that, so that was my number two. My number three is Parasite. Oh, yeah. I would get castrated by a lot of, like, big film buffs for not having this at my number one. I, I still haven't seen it, which um, would mean I would get executed by a lot of f- big film buffs for not yeah. seeing it. Uh, I appreciate the hell out of this movie, and I really admire it as a piece of art, and yet I can't enjoy it as much as I enjoy a lot of really? the other movies on this list. Is it just because it's not in English? Like, no, 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 no. I don't mind or... reading subtitles in a movie. It's not It's not that. Yeah, a lot of people It's that. Like... It's a hard story for me really? in that I didn't feel like I could root for anybody. Like, none of the characters were good people, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I struggle with in some movies. I mean, like my number one movie, that's still probably the case. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can assume what your number one is. Exactly. At your but uh, it's hard for me when I don't feel like I have anybody to root for. And a character doesn't even have to be a good person for me to root for him. Like in Breaking Bad, you root for Walter White, even though you don't actually want him to succeed in a real setting. Like well, I mean, he's, he's obviously cancer. a terrible person. Having cancer doesn't excuse a lot of the things he does in that show. Uh, well, I haven't seen it. Again, yeah. another show I need to see. Yeah. We're currently going through Game of Thrones right now. Um, we are. And uh, Jacob just had part of it spoiled for him in Longshot, which yeah. we watched okay. last Longshot night. Longshot could eat a dick because, like, <laughs> I – yeah. There was a scene in that movie where, where – the, They spoil yeah, something because, from season seven. Yeah, because the, the woman uh, – God, I forgot the actress's name. And Charlie Theron. Yeah, and she – Who I stand. Charlotte Field. Yeah, right? in the movie. Is that the, the That's the character's name, name yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's watching Game of Thrones to catch up on cultural things, and it spoiled a, a scene from, from the season, season af- from the season after the season we're on. So, Yeah, but Parasite <laughs> that was a is the second movie I've seen from Bong Joon-ho. I saw Snowpiercer, and <sighs> since watching Parasite, I also watched Okja, which I appreciated a lot more than I thought I would. I thought that movie was very good and made me want to go vegan a little bit. I haven't. I still eat meat because I like meat too much. Yeah. Even the director went vegan for about a month when he made that movie. But right. then afterward, he switched back because he was like, Korea is the home of barbecue. I can't go vegan yeah. here. I think a lot of people, my, myself included, would be willing to go vegan if A, it was cheaper and B, there were like actually good vegan meat Foods, alternatives. Which a lot of people think there are. Yeah. It's, I, just, it's a preference thing. Yeah. And Parasite's my favorite thing in that movie, which is going to be weird to some people, is the set design. I thought the sets in that movie were not only super symbolic of the themes that that movie was touching on, but incredible to look at. The acting was great from a lot of Korean actors. For instance, uh, some ones that Bong Joon-ho has used in his previous work, like I'm going to just quickly look up his name because I forgot it. Uh, Parasite. How unprofessional. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kang Ho Song, otherwise known as Song Kang Ho, who was also in Snowpiercer. All right, because Korean names, the, the yeah. first name is actually the family name. Yeah. 
Yeah, he had probably the best performance in that movie, not to belittle the other performances, which were great. But I thought that movie, like we were talking about with Us, is so deep in the themes that it explores. There is so much going on in that movie, and Bong Joon-ho expertly basically portrays at least three different genres in that one movie, back to back to back. And the ending was... Maybe one of the most creative endings I've seen in a movie in a very long time. So, like I was saying earlier, I appreciate the hell out of this movie. I just didn't enjoy it as much from an entertainment perspective as I did some of the other movies on this list. But incredible movie. I can't wait to see what else Bong Joon-ho does in the future. All right. Uh, Jacob, you're number three. Uh, Midsummer. I actually just saw this, like, less than a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. Probably only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I saw it, too. Um, And... It's very good. I it starts off super dark. Yeah. When, when like if you've her... seen Hereditary, also directed by Ari Aster, he's a psychopath. Some of the stuff he does in his movies is so dark and foreboding yeah. and I, I like Hereditary more. He portrays tone better than almost any director out there right now. It just so happens that those tones are really dark and depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um I liked Hereditary more than Midsummer, but Midsummer was like a good runner-up. It's to, very close second. To, Those two movies are both incredible. Yeah. Um, Midsummer. like, I think there, there's kind of some mystery aspect to it in which you're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. What the... I mean, you know, they're, they're like a cult, right? You know? I mean, that's kind of given away that's from the, conceit, the trailers. Yeah. Um, but just figuring out what specifically is going on. And it is shocking. Yeah. God, that, that scene with the cliffs... That the old people, yes. Yeah. If you haven't okay. seen it, we won't go into more detail okay. because you need to see this movie. Yeah, uh, Jesus. There's parts that just make you go like, what the hell is happening right now? And these aren't even traditional horror movies. They're not very it's, scary. They're, more they're like just thrillers. really emotionally disturbing. Yeah. yeah. I think these are the most emotionally affecting movies I've seen yeah. in the last few years, Hereditary and Midsummer. So We did watch Hereditary like at, late at night. Too. Yeah. That kind of added to it. It... Yeah, it hurt my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I see what, you're, what you're talking about. My number two, we already talked about, is 1917. So what's your number two, Jacob? Uh, The King. The King, interesting. A Netflix original movie starring Timothy Chalamet, yeah, that, who is my boy. That really got me onto Team Timothy Chalamet, even though I haven't seen any other movie with him. Well, uh, you've seen Interstellar. He has a small role in that movie. Really? He's in yeah, a... he's the son of Matthew McConaughey in that movie, the the younger version of his really? son. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Okay. Anyways, but yeah, The King was very, very good. And generally, um, I this might be painting with a big brush, but movies about medieval Europe tend to be like the same movie. That's very and, true. Um, there have been like three of those in the last year that have come out that have been the same. Like that, there was uh, Mary, Queen of Scots. There was the Outlaw King, I think, was the name of the other Netflix one with Chris Pine. I not either of those. Yeah. But um, I think The King really stood out in a lot of ways, both because of Tim- Timothy Chalamet's performance um, and also just because the energy to it, I guess. When people are, are shouting, King Henry! King Henry! Yeah, I, I, I really just love that, that uh, the energy behind it as well. All right. My number one <laughs> is going to piss some people one. off because <laughs> this is a controversial take. But my favorite movie of 2019 was Joker. Same. This is probably going to come across as a very dude bro, like, <laughs> man, 
society, am I right? <laughs> we do really live in a society. But <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that the writing in this movie was even great. Honestly, I think the writing in this movie is kind of flawed. I have some issues with it. I think there are some places where the dialogue is bad. Right. Do you want to give a specific example or do you want to There's, not go into it? Especially when he's – I think the place where it was the worst was where he's talking to his boss about losing the sign – at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, why doesn't he and just stick like, up for himself? And, yeah, but, like, I, the boss is like, really, Arthur? They stole a sign? That doesn't even make sense. Was, kids I, are I, just I cring- assholes, dude. <laughs> like, I cringe when I hear that dialogue yeah. a bit. But the things that this movie accomplishes, it does so well. We have Joaquin Phoenix in maybe his greatest performance of all time. I, I say that as somebody who's seen several Joaquin Phoenix movies. He's... One of the greatest actors alive today. And I was just engrossed by his performance as Arthur Fleck in that movie. Another thing, the cinematography and the visuals in that movie are insane. Yeah. I love what they did with the camera. Like the moving shot on the bus as it like dollies in towards him was awesome. There are some extreme long shots of him on the stairs that are uh, awesome. The incredible. Or... Also the – you know, there's the famous shot of Heath Ledger in the car window. Yeah. They did probably my second favorite car window Joker shot in this movie. When he's, he's in getting the cop car? In the or? cop car at the end. Yeah. yeah. The cinematography was excellent. The acting was excellent. This was my favorite score of the year. Oh, God. The score was fantastic. Scores are Shout not even something. Icelandic lady. Yeah. Hilda Gonatir, I believe, yeah. is her name. Uh, yeah. This The m- music in this movie sets the tone incredibly this is a master class in setting tone through music yeah and i'm i'm thrilled that she won the best best score awards at several award shows including the academy awards yeah i god movies i I think my girlfriend um said it best uh when movies about mental health they tend to be iffy um Mm -hmm. like as to whether or not they deliver well but i think it delivered well it did i i thought so too and it wasn't it's very easy to, like, think of this movie on a surface level of, like, oh, society wronged him. He had mental illness, so everything is society's fault. That, that's certainly... It's more nuanced than that, yeah. I think, in its portrayal of mental illness. It's certainly... Some of it comes across as a failure of the institution. It does. Yeah. But yeah. there are also personal failures, and I thought it was a great portrayal. Well, I thought it was a good portrayal of mental illness, at yeah. least. I don't think I'm the best person to talk about mental illness, because my experience with it is limited, but... I thought that it was a nuanced performance and portrayal of mental illness, and I thought that the tone that the movie achieved was stronger than any I've seen in any movies recently. It was incredible. One critique uh, I've heard of The Joker is that it makes mentally ill people look scary. Do you think it contributes to that, like, I, I don't want to say stereotype, stigma? Um, I think it can. Yeah. I think some people can come out of this movie thinking, oh... That mentally ill person is gonna try to kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't. As long as don't you don't make that's... fun of him as on a live show, right? I think <laughs> you could consider that to be possibly the movie's faults and possibly just the fault of our current stigmas regarding mental illness, for sure. But I think it also brings up important points about how we have to fund programs, programs yeah. that deal with mental illness and help heal. So for sure. I thought it had an important message and also was just expertly crafted. I know it's heavily, heavily influenced by Martin Scorsese's older films, like from the 70s, Taxi Driver in particular. I haven't seen King of Comedy, but I can definitely see the influences from Taxi Driver. 
and I, I don't think it's a ripoff of Scorsese's work, but I think it, if anything, elevates that craft because I was more affected by this movie than I was by, say, Taxi Driver. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people would disagree with that, but that's just my take. All right, cool. So I think we've gone through all of our best movies and video games from last year. So I'm just going to wrap things up for this episode of the podcast by saying feel free to reach out to us at theweekcritique at gmail.com with any questions or feedback or even any games you want us to play on the show. And we're just going to plug the stuff we've been watching lately and playing. So I've this week been watching Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. It's an Apple TV show about game developers starring the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Was it Rob McElhaney? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, the guy who plays Yeah, and Mac. it was created yeah. by him and Charlie Day. Charlie Day? Yeah. Like the other guy who Yeah, it, it in, was in co-written by him, but he's not in the show. Yeah. So that show, it's pretty good. It's funny at parts. I was entertained at least. It's all I need from a TV show. It wasn't excellent, but it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. How I've about been, you? I've been watching... Uh, a couple of things. Uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Of course. We've been working through it together. Yeah. Uh, for like beginning season six right now. Yep. Um, but also, uh, I started Narcos Mexico season two, episode one. It's pretty good. Um, Narcos is actually like my favorite show of all time, but Narcos Mexico is, it, it doesn't hold up nearly as well as Mark, as the original Narcos, which it follows, um, oh my God, <laughs> what's the Colombian, the the drug lord? <laughs> oh my god, how have I forgotten? Pablo that? Escobar? Pablo Escobar, yeah. It's other than Narcos, the original Narcos follows Pablo Escobar, and Narcos Mexico follows uh, Felix Gallardo, um, which is like, I guess, the Mexican drug lord for weed. Um, huh. But, well, formerly. He's probably dead by now, I, I don't know. But um, You'll have to wait till you get to the end of the show, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I think Narcos Mexico is pretty good. We also mentioned that we saw Longshot last night. I thought it was really entertaining, a good comedy. Yeah. I love Charlie's Theron. I stand I stand a queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rogen's pretty good too. Yeah. But, I like yeah. Seth Rogen. I also watched Good Time for the first time yesterday. It's along the same lines as Uncut Gems by the same directors, the Safty brothers, and it stars one of the Safty brothers as the brother of Robert Pattinson in this movie. And it was a wild ride. It was about as engaging as Uncut Gems, and I highly recommend it. Great movie. What have we been playing lately, Jacob? Um, I've been playing Breath of the Wild a lot. I, uh, Splunky less, though. I was playing Splunky. Um, yeah, but then I've gotten Jacob to pick up Breath of the Wild once again. Yeah, um, and now I'm playing through it, and I just need to get one more of them. Divine Beasts. Divine Beasts, and then um, go fight yeah. Ganon. The, the freedom in that game is unlike anything else I've ever played, I think. Yeah, I just bought a house. Nice. <laughs> in real life. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, huh. Is there something I'm, I should know as your roommate? <laughs> I, I, I'm a Gen C. There's no way I'm ever going to end up buying a house. Right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing a little Breath of the Wild and Sekiro lately. I'm still working through Sekiro. The f- like, I haven't even finished my first playthrough of that game, and yet it makes my favorite game of 2019. Yeah. Which is sort of a testament to the lack of good games that I played last year. <laughs> but uh, that game... Blows me away. I can't wait to finish it. And I think that's going to be it for us. So anyway, I'm Cade Marks. You can find me on Twitter at Cade Marks, spelled C-A-D-E-M-A-R-K-S. Or if you want to check out my letterbox, I've started being a little more active there at Cinemarks, C-I-N-E-M-A-R-K-S, all one word. 
Uh, where can the people find you, Jacob? Let me just say my address out loud. Do it. And your social, if you don't mind. <laughs> Hold up. We've got to find my social security number. He no. doesn't even know it. All right. I'll, I'll, What's your Twitter, Jacob? Jacob underscore 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 E. Three underscores. Three underscores. Bold move. Yeah. What was the thing behind that one? Um, To hopefully make it so that people can't look up my name and find my Twitter. Ah, which they will now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be all. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll come back to you with another episode, hopefully next week, <laughs> whenever we get the time. We'll see. And have more stuff to talk about. But thanks for joining us. Peace out. Go ahead and... <laughs> we need a better outro. We do need an outro. And an intro. Yeah. All right. Outro. Here it goes. See you later, gamers. See you online. See you online, gamers. That's a wrap. <laughs> End it now, please. Jacob, hit the stop button. Go, quick. 